Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Welcome to half term hell. And it's not <laughs> half term for me, so I'm not in hell yet, but I know oh what to expect. Oh my God, you're not. No, it's weird, isn't it? This half term, I feel like it's a real half and half situation going on. Which so might be good for the travel. So your kids at school? Come, yeah, my kids are at school. Um, but next week, your kids will be at school and mine won't. And then, ah. you know, that's, that'll be that. <laughs> How's your weekend? I mean, is it even a weekend any longer? Let, that is, let's just throw that out to the people. Are the weekends actually, should they just not be called another day in the week? Extension of the weekend with no childcare. Extension exactly. of the week without exactly. childcare. Days without exactly, childcare. Exactly. D- days without childcare. Look, I mean, I'm being, I'm coming off the back of a quite a stressful weekend with the kids, if I'm honest with you. And it's not, they are such wonderful, beautiful little humans. So let's just start with that before everyone starts getting on me about, I don't like my kids. They also just, um, they have an incredible ability of pushing so hard mm. with like demands where it's like, they don't, I don't feel like they're ever that satisfied with what they've got. They're constantly asking for more, whether it's mm. more food or more this or more that, or like anything I do, maybe I'm being super prickly as well. Cause I feel like they're not appreciating the amount of work that goes into running this life. And yeah. so it's just a constant disappointment to them. I just feel like I look at them sometimes and they're just like, oh, I don't, what, you, you want to take me to a national trust today? It's like, I'm not fucking doing it for you, you little shits. I'm not doing yeah, it for do me. I I've been be rampaging. No, I don't <laughs> want to be there. I want to be having brunch with my girlfriends or going shopping with friends or going to Paris for the weekend. You know, like it's that feeling of just, I don't know. Like we have a lovely time when we get there, but I think I'm getting quite a lot of kickback from Isla at the moment. She's been fairly difficult. I feel like I've got a teenager in the house. Mm. I feel like Kit is winding everyone up by like, mm. you know, punching and fighting and bickering with the girls and they're coming to moan to me. And t- to be honest with you, I'm just a bit fucking bored of it. Yeah, I know. Do you know, Do you know I mean? what? I think there's probably going to be these stages like for both of us where the age gaps don't mm. quite gel. And I reckon right now where you've got like Luna, who's about to go into the juniors next year, it's almost like there's that whole thing, isn't there? Like where you're top of the infants and you're a bit grown up. And then you've got Isla, who again is about to go to secondary school. So again, like that whole thing. And then the dynamic. And then you've got Kit, who like wants to probably be older or wants to fit in. And like Mm. it all just doesn't quite gel for a bit. But then, you know, it's exactly like, 
when you know Luna and Kit were little you click your fingers and it all falls back into place again and they'll all be mates again do your kids fight and argue oh my god of course they do of course they do like Axel's got a good I'd say like his temperament is really quite placid where he can take a lot but then as soon as he snaps he snaps whereas Gigi is just like the ultimate wind up for him wind up merchant yeah Mm. I mean god this happened at the weekend (laughs) it really made me laugh so Axel has a drawer in his bedroom and he puts his football cards and he's got money in there you know like money from like grandparents or like whatever it is he just keeps he keeps money in there and it's just always there it's fine anyway we sold something on Facebook marketplace at the weekend we never have cash in the house and James had put the money on the side and then we were going out to get the car cleaned and James was like oh where's that cash gone and Axel goes oh I stole it (laughs) and we were like oh okay I'll go up to your drawer I opened the drawer and I was like Axel where's the rest of your money gone and he was like oh my god it's gone he was like because the money only the money from the sale of from Facebook Marketplace was in there. He was like, oh my God, it's gone, it's gone. And you know, for like a how second- How much do you reckon he had in there? I don't know. I don't know how much he had in there. Maybe 50 quid, what, 60 50 quid, quid, something yeah, like fine. that. Yeah, But like a mixture of coins and, you know, it wasn't just notes. Yep. And um, he'd had friends over on Saturday and they'd been messing about in his room. And you know, when you're suddenly like, oh my God, like Ooh, what, maybe one what they've been leave. doing with it, right? So I'm suddenly like, oh no, Axel, come on, mate. It's got to be in here somewhere because he was getting really like panicky. Like, oh my God, where's it gone where's it gone and Gigi's just watching this all unfold <laughs> and and then I turned around to Gigi I was like she's good at looking for things Gigi I was like Gigi do you know where it is and she suddenly burst into tears <gasps> I was like Gigi where is it and she went I took it <laughs> Axel was stolen from James and Gigi has stolen from Axel. <laughs> and I was like, okay, right, come on then. Where is it? She, and she wouldn't tell us. She wouldn't tell us. Oh. I'm not telling you. No, 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 come on, come on. Where is it? Anyway, she'd hidden it in his wallet under her mattress. Un- like wow. fully under her mattress. The old under the mattress. She's yeah. like a, a mafiosa uh, like, drug that's dealer. That's what people who, are, like, who get paid in cash do, isn't it? Like, they don't oh, have yeah. a safe. They, they, well, there we go. All of us, so then we found it and we were like, okay, come on, let's go and get the car washed. And she burst into tears again. And I was like, Jade, mm. what, what is wrong? Shame. And she went, Axel, Axel just gets everything. He gets yeah. all of the money. No one ever gives me any money. Oh, no, 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 no literally this whole outburst and then you know you're suddenly like oh my god she's suddenly grown up and my it's probably like my dad my mom like anyone where they give Axel a tenner but they're not going to give like a two-year-old a tenner or a three-year-old but now Mm. she's suddenly four and it's like no one's realized and she's suddenly not a baby and she's realizing hang on a minute why am I not getting this and why you know I'm I'm and I'm, I'm like, with you. oh fuck! I <laughs> get this is, but you know what? In in our house, it's not it's not necessarily money. It's things like last night I was making the girls some natural yogurt and honey. I've tried to get them into it a bit healthier than like whatever it is for dessert. And I said to the girls, oh, do you want some fruit and berries on it? And Isla was like, no thanks. And Luna was like, yeah, she's such a fruit bat. So I put berries and I put chopped some mango up, gave it to the girls, and Isla went. Luna's got mango, and I said, yeah, no, I said fruit and berries, and she was like, no, you said berries, and I was like. 
um, I didn't, but I was like, okay. And she was like, Luna always gets the good fruit. And I was like, oh, we're talking, what? So oh. I'm favoriting one child over the other with fucking fruit now, am I? I mean, oh that God, is where we are at in the house at the moment. I've yes. never been more grateful to have booked a week on drive time <laughs> in my entire life. I'm leaving in a couple of hours and I will be skipping out that front door today. I'm just throwing it out there. I can't wait to go to work. I cannot wait. Oh my God. I know <laughs> anyway. exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that we're it, you know, it's in the solidarity same. system. It, we are, yeah. exactly. It's, we're never going to get that right, are we? If you put three no. blueberries on one person's plate and four on the other, then <laughs> that's it. You you like them better. So, of course you do. You love them more. Um, Georgia, knew? we need to get in. We need to get into today's conversation because it was a really good one with um, somebody who you and I have both watched. She's an actress. She's been yes. on our screens since the sort of. Well, if I say the name of the show she's in, you'll get it straight away. But basically, she's a child actress. She's gone on to be an actress of movies, TV shows. She's done mm. loads. And she had her her little boy. I, I guess you could call her a fairly young mum, although you yeah. were about the same age, were you? I think she was 25 when she fell pregnant. I was 26. So yeah, like right. similar yeah. age. Um, but yeah, I think we had this conversation, didn't we? Like what's classified as a young mum now? And... you would say it is it's like mid-20s would still be young but it's really interesting how you know society tells us when we should be having kids and it can change at any point can change at any point because one minute you're too old one minute you're too young (laughs) there Mm. is no right time um Mm. and yeah I I really love the conversation it was very honest Mm. and just I really enjoy it when people come on especially you know after they've just had a baby and they say you know what didn't really enjoy it that much until now <laughs> yeah yeah it's really and refreshing to hear that wasn't it she's okay. got a great, great birth story as well yes. really interesting birth story so look we can't wait for you guys to hear it today Georgia who are we talking to we are chatting to Mia McKenna Bruce So joining us on the podcast today, the most incredible actress, somebody that we've watched on our screens for a very long time since she starred in Tracy Beaker Returns. She's gone on to Dizzy Heights, uh, gracing our, uh, our, well, movies, TV shows. More recently, How to Have Sex was an absolutely incredible film that I absolutely loved. Mum to Leo, an all-round legend, it's Mia McKenna-Bruce. Thank you for having me. Mia, how's your morning been? You've got a five-month-old. How's the morning been? Um, I mean, he sleeps in until like 10 o'clock in the morning. Morning. I don't know how or why he does that, but it's been quite chill so far. What? Hang on, stop. Can you just tell us about that then? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. So I'm a really, really bad sleeper. So I was kind of like, this is going to be great having a baby, a little like insomnia buddy. And he sleeps like for England. He sleeps like there's no tomorrow. Really? And does he wake up before then? He wakes up maybe like once in the night. That is incredible, Mia. You deserve, actually, do you know what? You're a really nice person, so you deserve this. <laughs> you do. Thanks, That's good karma. <laughs> I feel like maybe he's gone like, okay, I'm being born into a lot of chaos. I get it, guys. I'll just chill out. That's what it feels a bit like. So do you get the mornings then to kind of get up? you know, get showered, get yourself kind of prepped for the day or are you on his time frame? I mean, it kind of varies depending on what I've got going on in the day. But this morning was very much on his time frame. Jumped in the shower maybe like lovely. 10 minutes ago. It's just yeah, a lovely slow morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh. Brilliant. Do you know what? My, my kids slept in today, all of them, until 7.15. And so that is completely unheard <laughs> of. In fact, when I woke up, my little boy was next to me in bed, which was so gorgeous because we had this lovely moment where I was awake and he was asleep and I was just staring at him. He's five. And I was just oh, like, oh, I love that. And then I looked at the blinds and I was like, 
oh my God, it's light outside. What time is it? And it was 7.15. That has never, ever, ever happened. Oh my God. What time do they normally wake up? It has now. Celebrating. Maybe it's the new thing. 5.45. Okay. I'm going to make the most of it then. Definitely You never know know what's going to happen. Mia, we we obviously want to talk about your parenting journey and, you know, what life is like right now. But do you want to just take us back to your own childhood? Because you were a bit of a child star, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I started kind of working uh I think my first job was like I was seven years old so started quite young um I started dancing when I was two I think it was just like this child with so 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 much energy and like I said I don't sleep now so I definitely didn't sleep as a child so my mum was kind of like what do we do with this crazy kid make her do something um and so I started dance really young and then yeah, from there just kind of was really, really lucky and got to start working, which obviously at that age, I never considered like would be an actual career. It was all very much fun and games. So um, yeah, it's been a bit of a mad one. We, we, we often have conversations on the podcast about how hard you push your kids. Because mm. I mean, I've got three, george has got two, and it's that conversation where they're all showing interest in things. So was your mum a momager or was she kind of like look Mia this is what you could you can do and I'm going to let you take the lead on it no she was very much sat back with it I think partly because she had no idea what any of it kind of meant so it was all like when I first my first audition I found in a newspaper for like this amateur musical in Croydon and I was like please let me go to this audition and my mum and dad were like very much trying to manage my expectations like okay like you can go to the audition but don't kind of expect to get into the show it'll be people that have been training and all of this so they were very much like reserved about the whole thing and also I don't think like they were always really supportive but never kind of I really wanted to go to like a da- a full-time dance school and stuff like that and they were always like no like focus on your yeah. education um stuff like that so I think they were quite not really sure what this world was and so we're very supportive but not like pushing me into it I was very much pushing them until maybe I got to teen years when I was a bit like <laughs> I was a bit more kind of oh I want to hang out with my friends more than go to dance class still and they were a bit more like come on Mia like you've worked really hard for this like don't kind of just give it all up now yeah, yeah. well did you see any of like your friends like with parents who really pushed them and what sort of I guess if you did what sort of effect do you think that had because we like Zoe just said we sit on like we literally don't know what to do with our kids like one yeah. week they love something they love ballet the next week they don't and you think oh god should I make you go should I not make you go yeah I think there's like a really fine line isn't there of like because I definitely remember there would be times I would not want to go to dance and they'd be like, no, like it's booked, it's paid for, you've worked for it, you're going to dance. Um, But I think if I ever turned around, like my younger sister really hated ballet. So they were like, yeah, no, let's just stop her. She really doesn't enjoy it. Um, But I had friends that, or not even friends, but when I was at auditions, I'd see other children and they'd be literally crying because they don't want to go into like auditions and stuff. And their parents are like, no, no, do it. Like, come on, you've got to do Mm. this. And... I mean, I don't think I knew them personally enough to know where that ended up for them, but they're definitely not still in the industry. So I I think probably yeah. probably at some point they were able to be like, I don't want to do this anymore. But I think if it's at a point where they're like crying, not wanting to do it, 
probably they really don't want to do it. I, I think also you have to listen to your kid, right? Yeah. I mean, fundamentally, that is that is the message because if they're not, it doesn't, I mean, yes, if you've paid for a course, like yeah. my daughter was doing dance and I like desperately wanted her to do it because I was like, all oh, jazz hands and yeah. all. And then literally she did a year and then she said to me before Christmas, she was like, can this be my last term? I'm, yeah. I'm just not enjoying it anymore. And I just thought, well, yeah, you do multi-sports and you do cooking and you do running club and you do swimming. And it's like, if you don't want to do dance, don't be, yeah. don't be a dancer. And also, she's not going to be a dancer. Also, she's done it for like a Unlike year. Me. Yeah. <laughs> also, she's done it for like a year. Like she's given it a good go. So it's kind of like, it's giving the chance. It's having like giving them the chance to give it a go, I think. And then if, if they don't want to, they don't want to. How much of your childhood do you feel like you maybe missed out on or looking at your friends that weren't in the industry? Because you were in, you know, Tracy Beaker, you know, it, it's a, it was a massive show. Mm. So do you feel like there were elements of it that you wish you could have back? Um, I don't think I felt like I missed out, but it was definitely different. So like we spent six months of the year away from school and we'd do tutoring on set. So like coming back to school was always tough because obviously like kids can be very, you know, like severe yeah. with changing friends and all of this. So I'd kind of come back to my friends mm. and they, they've moved on. So that was really tough. And it was always kind of, I was desperately trying to kind of be the class clown and stuff like that because I was like, oh, if I make people laugh or something, like they want to be my friend again. So that part was mm. definitely really tough. And then also joining secondary school, I was already on the show. So people had this perception of me before we started, like before I, I joined school and they were like, oh, like she's this actor, like she's probably really big headed and like had this really bad view of me before I even joined the school. So it was kind of about having to unpick people's perceptions of me before I'd even like got to know them, which was quite, oh. quite hard at a young age. What were your friendships like in secondary school? I mean, we were having a chat earlier, though, weren't we, about, you know, teenage girls and that's really tricky time to navigate as it is Jesus I can't Christ. imagine where if you're in and out of school or people have already got a preconception of who you are how were like those teenage years for you yeah I mean it could be rough definitely there were definitely times there were times at school that um I mean I'd walk along the corridor and like they'd be peeing like elastic bands in my face and stuff like this all but just because you know how hard teenage girls can be anyway but all just because like I was yeah. I was on TV as well that they were like oh like I don't know thinking I was someone that I wasn't you know and thinking I thought I was someone I wasn't but I had like this really good group of friends and one of them is my best friend now she had a baby three weeks after I did so we've like gone through it all together Aww. um yeah amazing um and she was like a, like she was at my rock all the way through um so I think the main thing was having like really really tight friendships with the people that I, I was friends with you know mm. were you able to kind of communicate with anybody during that period because I guess from an outsider's point of view it looked like you know had it all on tv you know yeah. kind of that that level of people knowing you at a certain age but also doing a job that you love but it happened you know in your in those real formative years mm. were you talking to anybody about how you were feeling day to day um not particularly I think the main thing was the show that I was on was a cast of like 13 of us that were all a similar age so we really relied on each other a yeah. lot like we were all going through the same things kind of having to do having to go back into school and 
not have a great time um and it just made those those times on set even more amazing I think like we loved it and appreciated it so much Mm. because we were getting like one extreme to the other um so it was about us lot really really Mm. coming together and um we had chaperones that because we lived away from home so we had chaperones with us that were like our family because we I was on the show for eight years in the end so we opened up to them a lot and Oh, yeah gosh. and a lot of the chaperones had worked on biker grove as well so they'd they'd also been through like they'd spoke to yeah. other children that had been through similar situations so they were really really great as well kind of getting to pick their brains with it do you think it's made you more resilient as a human i think maybe i think the the main thing is it's just made me really grateful for the work that i do it's made me really like also really realize kind of I learned at a, at a young age what it felt like to be an outsider so I think it's made me really not ever want to make anyone feel like that at all um and yeah I think just kind of being really appreciative and grateful for the for the friends and kind of my family that I do have in my life like I, I I'm really really grateful for them as well can we talk about your amazing movie how to have sex <laughs> I read something um that you that you said saying I would have loved to have had this film when I was younger I resonated with Tara in so many ways particularly her desperation to live up to the expectations that other people have of her mm. I remember that being such a thing for me particularly at that age mm. just talk us through that yeah I think particularly like what we've been talking about where I was trying to change the way people thought of me at school um I was constantly like saying yes to everything every party every this every that because I was like I need to try and make up Mm. for this time that I haven't been here um and kind of be this person that they want me to be even if that's not me like I'm I was kind of quite happy to sit back but they wanted me to be this loud, funny, kind of take the brunt of the jokes person. Mm. So I did because I was like, I, I need to make them like me. Um, so that's where I really, really yeah. resonated with Tara a lot from the film. Trying to be all things to all people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Trying to be, and it, even if it wasn't necessarily who you were as a person. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I guess sort of moving away from your incredible career where you're, you know, you're still right in the middle of it. How the hell have you managed to have a baby <laughs> at the age of 26? This is quite remarkable because I got to be honest with you, even when I was yeah. pushing out my first child at age 34, I was still thinking, fucking hell, yeah. this is not the right time. Yeah, I mean, literally. <laughs> Was it a conscious decision? No. So we kind of we kind of discussed as at top, me and my partner Tom. We kind of discussed like, okay, there's never going to be a right time for us because obviously with the work that I do as well, it's it, you have to take time away from that. So it's really hard to ever find the right time to do it. So we were kind of like, look, if it happens in the near future, it happens, and we'll just will make it work. And it happened a lot quicker than we thought it was going to. Um, so I fell pregnant December, not the one just gone, the one before. And it was the first pregnancy test I've ever taken in my life. Like literally, I had no <laughs> idea what it even meant. I was literally like, just, I don't even know why I chose to take it. I was just like, okay, let's just do a test and see. I think I'd, I'd felt kind of like dizzy, a bit a bit dizzy. My period was a bit late, which like I was always, the reason I'd never kind of taken a pregnancy test before, my period had always been very, very like on time, like hit the schedule to a T. So I mm. took this test and I was like, 
Tom, oh my God, get the leaflet. Like, what does this mean? And he's like running around trying to find the leaflet because I didn't know what the lines meant. And then, <laughs> yeah, we were pregnant. That's, Is it I know exactly. <laughs> I know that exact feeling because I was the same. I had a whole pack of those ones with the crisscrosses on them. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, hang on a minute. What does a cross mean? What does a line mean? I need the one that literally spells it out to you. Yeah, exactly. So literally <laughs> the first thing we did was like go to Tesco and buy the ones that say like pregnant, like one to two weeks or whatever it was um so I was like I don't believe this is real and then I booked a like an early scan at six weeks because I was still like I just don't I just don't believe this is real like I just couldn't comprehend and also I was like what do I do about work I was like oh my god like yeah because I just finished filming how to have sex and I didn't really have anything else lined up and I was like I don't know how this is gonna work but somehow somehow by weird twist of fate it lined perfectly with kind of the press for how to have sex and also very selfishly for me the actor strike worked amazingly because nobody could work oh, yeah of course yeah so in a way it's kind of like it's kind of like a covid lockdown isn't yeah. it there was just there was just no, nothing yeah, that anybody nothing. could do about it so you could just be at home with with the bubble yeah. we'll be right back after this short break the 12 week mark before you start sharing the news and we didn't really know how early on we were in the pregnancy so I was like this is the most life-changing news ever and I don't know who to tell or like if I do tell them like they're gonna be like <laughs> well, how, such a weird moment. How pregnant? yeah it's so weird and you're just like you like this life-changing news and you just got to kind of sit and stare at your partner and go like what yeah it's a secret so together true. for a little while yeah <laughs> And we just went to Tesco and I was like, I feel like I want to tell everyone I was pregnant and like have my hands on my stomach. Like what on earth is going on? <laughs> so you, obviously, were you 25 or 26 when you fell pregnant? 25, 25, which like is very young. And I didn't think I would be that young when I had a baby. And 
none of my friends, apart from my best friend who had her, she found out like two days later that she was pregnant. Um, none of our friends have kind of had babies either. So for us, it was like, we were kind of the first ones in our group. And we were like, no idea how to also don't really have I'm the first in my family to really have a baby so it's like this was very 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 new territory yeah because I sort of feel like 25 26 is almost like the new 1920 to be having a baby you know like most people are having the babies in their 30s I think I was the same I was 26 when I fell pregnant with my first yeah and I did feel young and I think people I guess kind of treat you differently. Did you find that like when you were going to appointments or, you know, just when you had a bump, people were would almost kind of, I don't know. It, it, I felt like, oh gosh, am I too young to be doing this or something? Why yeah, is this so weird? Definitely. I mean, also I do look for, in, in How to Have Sex, I play 16. So like, I'm very small. I look mm. quite young. Wow. So when I was walking around with a bump, people were like, oh my God, how old is she? And people would ask me quite a lot, like, oh, how old are you? And I'm like, oh, I am, I, I'm 25. And I remember at appointments as well, I like, I'd almost, they'd make me feel young and I'd want to take my mum with me because I'm like, I feel young and I feel like you're treating me like I'm young. Um, but then I was a bit like, but then that kind of defeats the object because then if I take my mum, then I will really, really seem young. Uh, so it's kind of like, no, <laughs> need yeah. to go do this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely, <laughs> I felt like, I, do you know what? I felt really young all the way along until we were having, when the health visitors come around after you've had the baby and she was telling me about the local groups in the area. And then she was like, oh, and there's like a young mum's one. And then she was like, oh no, you're too old for that one. And I was like, sorry? And she was like, no. We were like, yes. Yeah. She was like, you have to be under 25. And I was like, wait, but I've been being made to feel like I'm the youngest mum that's ever like graced the earth. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm too old. How about this weird society? The society love to put you in a box mm. when it comes to your pregnancies. I, mm. If you're under 25, people treat you yeah. strangely. And, oh, did you plan this? Yeah. And, you mm. know, they think it's sort of strange these days. But if you're over a certain age in your 30s, yeah. then you're considered to be a geriatric, yeah. geriatric mother. Why can't we just get on board with people just choosing to have babies whenever they want yeah. to or mm. embracing motherhood, however it looks. It's weird. Exactly. It's so mm. strange, particularly the, weird. the geriatric mother thing. I've spoke to so many people like the, the recently who have been classified as geriatric mothers. And it's like that word in itself mm. sounds so like this whole other like thing to it and it's like no we're all just mums it doesn't matter what age we are well they're not looking at Hugh Hefner and going you're a geriatric father when he was alive they were just going what a fucking legend what baby is this exactly Mm, which number is this isn't it weird what about the legends that actually have to do the carrying of the baby exactly (laughs) (laughs) how how was your pregnancy and birth okay so my pregnancy was okay I had a lot of sickness until about four months um every time I moved I was sick it was just you know how it is. Um, and then I kind of, I was okay for a bit. And then I basically overdid it around the six months mark. Um, I started press for the film. We went to Cannes. Um, and then I flew from Cannes back to England and then to Spain all within like a few days. And then I started bleeding on the flight, which was just obviously when you bleed when you're pregnant, you think like the worst. And I was on the flight and we had about half an hour left of this flight and so on. Obviously, you can't do anything. And this lovely girl, bless her, was like, 
oh, I, I recognize you from Tracy Beaker. Like, can I talk to you about it? And can I get a photo? And all in my brain was like, I literally cannot right now. Like all I can think about is what is going on. Um, but luckily touchdown in Spain yeah. and my cousin in Spain, um, she was also pregnant. So I messaged her straight away and was like, what hospital are you at? Like, I need to go to hospital ASAP. And she came with me which was great because I don't speak very good Spanish and she's, she speaks Spanish. So um, she did all that and they were amazing. They gave us like really incredible, checked everything. And basically I was just, I'd overdone it. Um, and they were like, you need yeah. to slow down. And if it happens again, you can't fly home basically. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be in Spain having this baby because I'm not going to be able to leave. Uh, but luckily we were all okay. And um, we had a few more episodes of bleeding. That was literally just all to do with me doing too much um and then mm. basically started having these scans where they were like you have a giant baby and I'm very I'm only four foot 11 Stop it. yeah yeah I'm oh only four gosh. foot 11 oh what on the percentile yeah. so every time you were going for the scan they were going it's in the what what percentile was it can you remember it was in the 98th percentile and shut up yeah and they're all finding it so funny oh my God, that's scary so scary they're finding it so funny and they're like oh he obviously takes off his dad and then I'm like that, guys this isn't funny like how am I going to push this baby out and then I was like having a checkup for the bleeds and this midwife this gorgeous midwife said to me um you're very tiny and I can see that your baby's measuring very big she was like have you thought about mode of delivery and I was like I don't even know what that means and she was like well like an option for a c-section or early induction so that you know, hopefully your baby doesn't get too big <laughs> for you to push out. Um, and I was like, no one's mentioned that to me. And she was like, ask about it. So then I asked my own midwife and we had these meetings with these consultants. And I mean, they were very much like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. I've never done this before. I need someone to kind of tell me. Mm. And mm. basically we went down the route of early induction, but I didn't kind of realize what that meant. So we were induced at 30... I think like 38 and a half weeks and we went in to be induced and they gave me the uh, pessary for 24 hours I started contracting mm, back to back yeah, with no yeah. gap and then uh, after 24 hours they took the pessary out they were like you're they were ready to break your waters you're I think three centimeters dilated um but we don't have the staff to do it because basically he was oh my god yeah Lord. he was born on this like blue super moon and there's this weird thing where when there's super moons, they have loads and loads of babies being born. Um, so there was no staff. And I think we had to wait three three days because we weren't allowed to leave the hospital because the process had started of induction. Three days? Yeah, and then three days before anyone was available to break my waters. So what happens in those three days? Those three days, um, not allowed to leave the hospital. I'm being sick. Like, I can't keep anything down, even water. Um... I'm kind of trying to get my waters to break naturally with like all, you know, the bouncing on the ball, mm. going for walks. Mm. Um, I was petrified that I would like undilate, but apparently that's not a thing. Once you've dilated to like a point, it stays at that point. You only dilate more. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just about waiting. And it was honest, it was like being in prison. Like it was, the midwives were coming in and being like, not today. And I'd be like, please, like... And then my mum came in at one point, obviously, mum mode, like kind of went a bit mental and was like, her mental health is suffering. Because I know it was only three days, but oh my gosh, it felt like three months, like just waiting. Were you still having contractions, Mia, during this period? No, so the contractions had stopped. So it was just the sickness that I was having, which also then felt really weird because I was like, why have the contractions stopped? And then they kept kind of, they were coming and monitoring me, but they we kept going through 
periods of losing his heartbeat or his heartbeat being really slow. And then I'm panicking because of stuff that I've read. And I'm like, is he in distress? Because we've had like these back to back contractions and then nothing. Um, yeah. And then basically, long story short, we're then in a really long, long labor because he was in distress and had got stuck. And, um, after I think it was about 26 hours, I think it was, someone made the call to do forcep delivery. Um, and then he was out. Oh yeah. He was out in like eight minutes with the forceps, but where he was then in so much distress, he was out, but he, they like put him on me and he just wasn't, he didn't cry or anything. So they had to like take him away immediately. But by this point I was so high on like gas and air and all of this. I was just like, they were like, okay, like say bye to your baby. Basically we need to take him away. And I was just like, bye. Like everything's cool. Baby's out. Like I'm out of pain. Amazing. Um, but then I lost loads of blood, all of this. Cause basically the labor had just gone on way too long and we'd been left too long. And then we both caught this infection because yeah. it was over 24 hours from when I did eventually have my waters broken. Yes. So it was all kind of all yeah. this stuff. Did he have to have a lumbar puncture? Was it called a lumbar a lumbar puncture? Is that Do right? You know and, what? And, he, and the antibiotics because of the water. Yeah. Breaking. So he did have to. Have, I don't even know what he actually had to have. I was so away with it. I, I didn't even know my like. I text a lot of my friends to say like he was here or Tom, my partner, was texting them, and they're all like, "Where is he? Let's see photos." And I was like, "I don't know." I was like, no one kind of explained to me what was happening. And I think because I, I then had to have a transfusion. Well, that's so scary. Yeah. But I had to have a transfusion and stuff. So I think they kind of were dealing with me. And then I was allowed to go and see him the next day. And I don't think he was as poorly as they thought he was because my mum went to see him when I wasn't allowed to. And they were like, he's, he's really sick. But then when I, by the time I went to see him the next day, they were quite like, he's doing really well. So I think he was out of NICU within 48 hours. Um, and then he came to stay on the ward with me. And that was like, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I was like, what on earth is going on? Mm. Um, My God. Yeah. And then when we had the drive home, I just cried the whole way. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he's yeah. in my head, he was really ill. I was like, I've got a really ill baby and I don't know what to do with him. And I had this like, mad um obsession with his temperature i think because when i vis visited him in nicu there was this monitor like monitoring his temperature and they'd made a comment about his temperature dropping a little bit and then i'd become like fixated on his temperature when we got home and it was like i was relentless mm, poor kid mm. i was relentlessly taking his temperature <laughs> <laughs> i reckon we all do that at the beginning because we've got no idea how to regulate a baby's temperature and also what temperature they're supposed to be at i didn't know that either i remember my midwife coming around and they yeah. were like where where is she and i was like oh she's just in the bedroom in the you know she's just i've swaddled her and i've got the radiators on and they were like what well, does she just feel a bit hot in the flat <laughs> and then she went and she was like she's boiling and i was like oh god i'm sorry i've got no idea didn't know you know you, you just don't don't know, no, do you? you? Don't Unless know. you've been to every single NCT class and read every yeah. single book, it is an absolute minefield. It's impossible. I mean, I still don't know. I still don't know what temperature yeah. my kids are supposed to be. I bought one of those temperature guns recently because yeah. Yeah. even like when out there at school, they always say to them, "Say, oh, oh, sorry, you know, Gigi's got to come home because she's got a temperature." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, keep an eye on her temperature." And I think, what does that mean? I don't even know what she's supposed to be. Yeah, I've got yeah, no yeah. idea. Has she got a temperature? I don't know. Maybe. And anyway, yeah. so I got Wait, this gun and now it gets red. I just oh. got one from Amazon. I don't know. But it, but it oh, goes red and that. green. I mean, it's like the clear blue pregnancy test that spell it out. I just yeah. put it at her head like that or his head, bang, like that. And it says 
Wow. So you've just obviously told us about your birth and you know that's that is a traumatic start like by any account that is a traumatic start. How were like the you know the first few weeks for you after Mm, that? I mean I went we went to stay with my mum and my dad I think after the trauma trauma of it and also because I was still having I was like really low on iron and stuff so I was having to have iron tablets and just wasn't fully Mm. coherent and this infection that I still don't even know what it was. But um, so we went to stay with them and that was amazing because I relentlessly cried for no reason. Like my dad was cutting the grass and I started crying because I was like, I remember dad cutting the grass when I was a baby. Um, and my mum was amazing because oh. she was like, "It's that's fine, it's totally normal. And then she was like making me laugh with the, with the things that she could remember she cried at. And that was just so good because I know that if I wasn't there and I was <laughs> crying this much, I'd be panicking. Um, so it was great having that support from the offset. And then the biggest thing for me, I was like, I don't understand how people have a baby and go back to doing life. Like I was just like, I don't understand how you do it. Um, And as soon as kind of our friends started coming to see him, it was amazing because I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm still Mia. I can still like be Mia and mum as well. And it was just incredible kind of, I was really scared for that moment because I thought I'd be like, oh my God, like trying to impress people with my mum skills. And I actually had no idea, but no, it was actually brilliant that I was able to kind of do both. And it felt like such a relief. Um, and I watched this video that Molly May posted and she was like, in the first few weeks, she was like, I didn't know if I would feel happiness again. And when I saw her post that, I was like, that breathed like such a sigh of relief because I'd seen so much about like the newborn bubble and stuff, which I just didn't really have. Like Mm. I, Mm -hmm. I was just, I I was so stressed. So like worried the whole time. And so like, I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing that. I just didn't have this like newborn bubble and um, seeing Molly May post that just made me go, Oh my God, it's okay. Like it doesn't need to be Mm. perfect straight away and we can like figure it out. And I think it took me a good like six weeks before I was like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm really loving this. And then like, I remember someone saying mm. to me, it does just keep getting better and better. And uh, since that, mo- since watching Molly May's video, it has just kept getting better. And how incredible that something that, you know, Molly posted yeah. has impacted you. But think about how many other thousands mm. of people saw that yeah. video, thousands of new mums, you know, possibly millions of new people globally and gone, oh my God, I feel like yeah. that as well. This is exactly what it is. That's why it's so important to really share the, the real truths about parenting. That's why we're so passionate about yeah. it because otherwise you can see yeah. all this curated shit on Instagram and think, oh, well, everyone else is nailing yeah. it, but I'm actually not enjoying it at all. It's okay to say yeah. that, isn't it? Exactly. And I think that's it. It's like just being as honest as you can about it because nine times out of 10, most people are feeling the same way as you just like haven't said it out loud yet. And even as soon as you say it out loud without even hearing it, when you say it out loud, that helps you. And then to hear it as well, it's just, yeah, it makes all the difference. What's the biggest thing about motherhood that surprised you, Mia? Accepting help um, has been the biggest, biggest thing that surprised me and kind of not feel, I think, and, and like the, the being selfish with my time and saying no to things. I was always, I kind of mentioned it a bit earlier, mm-hmm. very much the yes person. I'd, I'd say yes to everything. Whereas now I'm like, 
particularly with work, you know, now I'm like, no, I need to spend some time with, with my son and I want to do that. And I remember as well, actually, my cousin telling me a few years ago after she had a baby, um, just try and do as much as you can before you have babies, because when you have them, it's not that you can't do it, it's that you don't want to. And that's resonated with me so much because it's just like mm. all of a sudden, everything shifts to being all like everything I do now is for him. I heard people kind of say that before, but I don't think you can understand it until you you actually feel that. It's crazy. It's lovely. It's lovely. It's It's really accurate. Something that Molly May said on her video really changed motherhood for you. Yeah. What would you say or what piece of advice would you give to a new mum listening to this now? I think just that it doesn't have to be perfect and it's not perfect. Um, and just to really, really ask for help and accept it when you need it. I think that's the biggest, biggest thing. Um, because people are, are there and do, do want to be there. Um, so just don't mm. be afraid to ask for that help, I think. it's mm, lovely. And we'd love to hear your products. We ask each guest on the podcast, the diehard products that they use every day. Things yeah. for you, things for baby. Um, oh yeah, genius. So after I gave birth, the Frida mum had like these witch hazel kind of like wipe things that you put in your maternity pad and oh my god I had an episiotomy so they were like just the best things so a hundred yes hundred percent witch hazel wipes things I can't remember exactly what they're called but yeah you put them in your maternity pad and they are a lifesaver um the doona the like car seat with wheels love yes (laughs) oh my god like I have barely used a pram the doona is just like a godsend um (laughs) I don't know how to pronounce this Tommy Tippy is it Tommy Tippy prep machine Tommy Tippy Tippy. Tippy. the prep machine as soon as I started formula someone recommended it and that is a game changer a Fisher Fisher Price kick and play I had a really hard time getting Leo to do tummy time. And then this has like um, a mm-hmm. piano thing on the end with lights and it's like, it just distracts him and it's amazing. And finally, love that. yeah, it's really good. Someone suggested it to me at like a class thing that me and my friend went to and he just would not do tummy time. All these other babies doing tummy time. He was like, absolutely not. And she said, get the Fisher Price kick and play because it's so good at distracting them. Um, and then finally, amazing. I think, do you know what? The MAM anti-colic bottles. Yes, we use those. We love them. I swear by those. I literally, we've never had any problems with with him and kind of reflux or anything like that or or gas. But my friend used another bottle and she was like, oh my God, as soon as I switched bottles to the MAM anti-colic ones, his problems were all gone. So highly recommend those as well. Oh, amazing. That's great to hear. Oh, Mia, what a gorgeous Thank chat. Thank you, you so you. much for coming on the podcast. Thank you um, for Good luck me. with all your work. Good luck with motherhood. Thank you it's so been a joy. much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I reckon we not only have we made a new mate there, yeah. but, I've, but I also think that we should all channel our inner Mia when it comes to being really honest about how we feel about parenting. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I loved her. And she's actually, you know, we, we keep going on about her being a young mum. She's super grown up. Like, I know. Re- really mature. Great perspective, really mature. I mean, what, just an all-round lovely human, I think. We love her. Mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thanks, Mia. Really enjoyed it. Exactly. I think she would have helped lots of people listening to that podcast. And I found the stuff that she was saying about Molly May really relatable. That actually yeah. sometimes it just takes somebody that you follow, somebody yeah. that you 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 know you admire. To, to really kind of say it how it is. It's not always like that, but it can be, and that can be really reassuring to you. Definitely. And all of these negative messages we hear about social media and, you know, the way the world is now and all of that, I love it when you hear those positive messages because ultimately that's what why we're doing what we're doing. It's to make people feel less alone, and that's exactly what happened with her. So I hope anyone listening to this who is struggling or if you've got a friend who you know could could do with listening to Mia then please do pass it on because it really does help Mm, yeah 100% George so yeah grateful to Mia thank you so much for coming on and thank you so much for listening to today's podcast as always we'd love you to rate review subscribe and please give our podcast a little follow and then you'll never miss an episode yeah and any feedback guests you'd like us to talk to or you know just anything at all really want to have a chat we're on Instagram at made by mamas and we'll be back on Friday Made by Mamas is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.